Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. We have to ha- keep that margin in our lives. We have time for our kids. If we if we fill up every moment of our days and we don't have that margin time to really spend time with our family and our kids, then we're going to miss it. It's that time of year again, back to school and extracurriculars. It's been just over a week and many of us are just settling into our schedules. A lot of changes come along with this, including changes with our emotions and changes within our children. And this can affect us emotionally and spiritually. Today, we're joined by a regular guest of our Sierra Connections, Lucille Williams. She's going to share with us some tips and advice on how we can get through this time and how we can rely on God through all of it. Well, really happy to have Lucille Williams back with us, or Lou, as uh, all her friends call her, including Colleen and I. Uh, First of all, Lou, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Mike? Uh, Very good. It's been a lovely autumn up in Canada so far. Technically summer still, I guess, but once Labor Day weekend hits, we all consider it autumn. So (laughs) it's been very nice up here, and all the kids are heading back to school And you've raised three kids, so I'm thinking who better to talk to than Lou about making it through uh, another school year. And you actually touch on school in your book, The Impossible Kid, don't you? Yes, I do. I mean, the first day of school, that's a big day, especially, you know, kindergarten. I don't know about you parents out there, but when my kids started kindergarten, I would cry all day. I'd drop them off. You know, I'd like suck it up. I'd drop them off. Then I'd go home and I would just cry until it was time to pick them up. And I remember when my first started kindergarten, my my second child was said to me, Mommy, are you ever going to stop crying? (laughs) (laughs) It's hard, though. Hey, like. I don't know. Our daughter starts kindergarten on Friday. She's our oldest. And yeah, I'm I'm as a dad. And usually I think dads don't struggle as much with this. But I'm like, this is my little baby. And now she's in kindergarten like she's going to be married next week and having kids the week after. And I'm going to be old and in a home right away. It's true. It, it 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 feels like that's what happens and they go and you're like, what is going on? How is this going so fast? It just reminds us we need to be present. We need to be there for everything, for all the moments and really, really suck those wonderful times in. Yeah. And that's kind of hard, right? Especially, I don't know, in the busyness of life, my wife and I, we both work full-time professional jobs, uh, right? And So we get home, you're tired, uh, but you haven't seen the kids in eight or 10 hours, you know, sometimes. And it can be really hard to remind yourself to be present and not just put the screen in front of them and let you two babysit for a while. Exactly. And that uh, we have to ha- keep that margin in our lives. So we have time for our kids. If we if we fill up every moment of our days and we don't have that margin time to really spend time with our family and our kids, then we're going to miss it. Uh, what are some of the, I don't know, what are your top tips maybe for like, well, I was going to say young parents. I'm not a young parent, but I'm a parent of young kids. <laughs> so <laughs> as we're adjusting and into this new season of life, what are some of the, you know, how, how do we be present and, and put that into action then? Well, I think one of the things that we battle against as parents is fear will pop up. Because as they start new things, they're they're moving away from us. Like you mentioned, you know, next week she's going to be getting married. And, you know, it's, it's like we, as all of these new things come into their lives, we start dealing with a lot of emotions about, you know, as, the more they move away from us, 
the greater our fear can, you know, arise when we start thinking about the things that could happen. And it, it reminds me of, you know, moving ahead when my daughter started high school. Her first day of high school was a, a, a kind of a monumental day for her, of course, and for us both, because, of course, we had a story that day. She was, uh, we were, you know, going out, I was driving her to school, and we get into the car, and she, I'm sitting, and I'm, you know, I watched her as she walked over to the car, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, she's so beautiful, she's so pretty, she was just such a wonderful girl, I was so proud of her, and so she gets in the car, and, you know, we've got, you know, we've got that margin to just get to school, any, any stops or any going back in the house, she's going to be late, and so as she got in the school, as she got in the car, ready to go to school, she sat down, and I noticed that she had this shirt that came up and I could see the sides of her body. And, and I screamed, oh, I see skin, I see skin. So, you know, instead of saying, honey, you look so about skin. And, and, <laughs> and then I said something, it was really, I call, I said something like, you look like, I, I know what I said, but I don't want to say it on air. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you look like a, and it starts with an S. And um, and then she's like, mom, it's not that bad. And so, we, you know, we're driving to school and now we're fighting over what she's wearing. And so she gets to school and, and, we, and I say, bye, honey, I love you. Have a good day. But, you know, good mom ended at, ah, I see skin, you know. Right. And so she. She gets on the school ground and um, she finds one of her friends and, and she says, Ashley, do I look OK? And she's like, yes, you look great. So later, you know, I, I had to apologize to her. And, and even years later, it was a discussion we had again when we were writing the book together because she's like, Mom, do you remember that first day of high school? I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's awful. What an idiot, Mom. What an idiot thing to do. What I should have been saying is, honey, you look wonderful. I'm so proud of you. You're so pretty. But no, what do I do? I'm screaming about the skin I see on the side of her shirt when she sits down, you know? Well, heaven forbid our epidermis shows, right? Um, exactly. But what, but what it was fear that drove that reaction in you, right? Because you were afraid, I'm guessing, of what might happen if she dresses and you know, shows off her body a little bit. Exactly. And she had, she was one of those kids that even at 12, she started forming where she just uh -huh. looked so good. And sometimes older boys, and even as she was a teenager, men would look at her, but not realize how young she was. And, and she was well-developed and she was beautiful. And, you know, the more, I mean, you know, my husband and I, we were really downplaying that. He, you know, he was keeping the makeup away from her. He didn't let her wear makeup <laughs> at all. And one day I slipped her some mascara and my husband's like, what is that? What do you have on your face? And she's like, mascara? Where'd you get that, mom? And <laughs> he looked at me, you know, but, you know, our plan was we didn't want her dealing with, you know, boys coming up and trying to hit on her and that kind of thing. And, you know, our, our kids don't understand that, but that's fearful for a parent. You know, we don't want, um, you know, that happening. And her brothers would hold her hand, her younger brother, who was only a year behind her, when they were in public, he would hold her hand because she would get so many looks from the guys and but later I realized that that too was kind of a mistake on my part trying to shield her so much because she was hanging out with a cousin and her cousin could handle that type of attention really well but Monica had a hard time with it 
And right. I remember her saying to me, mom, these guys were like, you know, talking to her and stuff. And she was just like, hey, leave me alone. And she knew how to handle it. But we had kind of tried to shield her from that. So I don't know. I mean, where's the balance in that, you know? Right. No, that's a really good example for all sorts of issues in life, especially as they go into school. And we want to shield them so often from certain things. But if that's all we do, then they have no idea how to handle anything like whether it's, you know, uh, unwanted attention or maybe it's peer pressure as they get older. or Yeah, all sorts of things. Yes, exactly. And and we can't shield them from everything. And, you know, as I parented my kids, I realized that sometimes my fears would overtake my better judgment. And I would be so fearful that something was going to happen that I would make really stupid decisions. So, you know, you need to step back and go, wait a minute, is this a wise decision to make? Or, you know, where's this coming from? Why am I reacting to this like I am? And do I need to, you know, do an about face and maybe apologize to my kids and have a little talk and go, okay, what do we need to do here? Uh, You know, other adjustments, it's not just for the kids, but big adjustments for the parents and routines and things like that. Help me out here, Lou. Um, I work in radio. That involves leaving the house around 4 a.m. every day. And that leaves my wife alone to get two kids out the door, one to school now and one to a daycare like five minutes away from there. How do I help my wife if I'm not even there? That's a tough thing to do. Well, you can pray for her. That's that's for uh, sure. I, I mean, I could so relate to that. At one point, I had three kids in three separate schools um, because yeah. of the way the cutoff was. And and that I did that for quite some time, and that was hard. And, you know, I think that maybe some prep time in the morning before you go, little things that might help her, pulling things out, making sure the backpacks are set. It, there's a lot to be done. Mm-hmm. One of the things we did to keep our schedule not crazy is we would say to our kids, okay, you get to pick one extracurricular. That's it. So whatever that is, pick it well because you're only getting one. Because when you've got three kids and you've got three separate extracurricular things, you're going like crazy. You're not that alone. It'll keep you going like crazy. So if they wanted to to, you know, join something or join a choir or do that. Well, that that's your choice and that you get the one. So, you know, pick your one thing and then that's going to be all you're going to do. That uh, this fall, we spent extra money on gymnastics so that both of them could be in the same class at the same time at the same place because we already learned our lesson the hard way this spring. I think we had one night at home a week for about a month and a half. And that's just not fun for anybody. Oh no, we 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 had a thing. We always ate dinner together as a family every night. That was that we worked our schedules out. So mom, dad, kids, we sat, we had dinner, and sometimes that meant we ate dinner at a little later than we wanted to, or a little earlier than we wanted to. But you know, dinner was a time where we, as a family, came together. Yeah, I will say in my defense. So I do uh, most nights during the school year. I'll make dinner, and then I try and pack the lunches as well. But sometimes my wife and I'll trade off for bath time or something like that, right? And that's but yeah, that's a great point. Just helping each other out, even if you're not going to be around, you can set them up for somewhat of sort of success the next day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's all in the planning. It's all in the planning. And then when Monica got older, you know, here you've got I've got all these fears about how she was. And, you know, now that I think back, some of it was very founded because when she was in about like second grade, she decided she had certain clothing she wanted to wear and everything had to ma- like be a certain way. And I couldn't understand why. And then I went to school during lunch one time. This was when parents were allowed to be on campus. 
and she had tied up her shirt. So her little belly was showing, showing. And not only that, she had her little shorts rolled up too. So uh-huh. in stomach and legs, you know, on this little, she was first or second grade. And of course, inside, I'm freaking out. Like, what is happening? This is not the little girl that got out of my car this morning. But I stayed calm. I'm like, okay, just chill. We need to get to the bottom of this. So I sat down with her friends and her. And I didn't react to it because if I did, then, you know, I wouldn't get to the bottom of the story. And I and I said to her friends, um, that you know, hi, ladies, you know, and we were just talking. And I said, so does Monica do this every day? And they're like, oh, yes, every day, Mrs. Williams. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so I, I walked away and I'm like, okay, that's it. Of course, when she got in my car at the end of the day, everything was back to normal. Her shirt was down. Her shorts were, you know, unrolled. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And then so I thought, what do I do? What do I do? I had no idea. And so I went to my husband I'm like, oh, you're taking this one. I was like, I am not handling this one. So he took her outside and he talked to her and he he asked her. And and so he totally got to the bottom of why she was doing it. And it was the boys. She was trying to attract the boys. Wow. Really? Yes. So now we got a bigger problem. You know, so, you know, he just had a, a talk with her about, you know, modesty and, you know, what you're saying and how you look and and um. And that was it. She stopped doing it. Somehow he got through. So, you know, sometimes you just got to hand those things off to dad because that was out of my pay grade. I was like, oh, and I was freaking out inside. I'm like, it's just best to keep my mouth shut. Well, and maybe people that are new to the show, like Lucille joins us every month and we're talking about her book, The Impossible Kid. And your daughter, Monica, who will freely admit this now, she was the impossible kid. And it's kind of interesting, even at grade one, they're learning these sneaky things, right? Yeah. And she was that kid. Like I couldn't tell her, hey, don't do this. Because if you just said, do it, she's going to do it. It's going to be a goal now. And so when she started talking about boys, I mean, she had a boyfriend in kindergarten. And at a young age, I remember she said to me, mom, when I see boys, I want to hug them and I want to kiss them. And I was like, of course, my heartbeat went up, but I went, I paused and I said, yeah, I go, you know what? I understand. That's why I married your dad. And, you know, because I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't right? want boys to be like off limits. I wanted it to be a discussion that we could have, yes. that we could talk through it. And, you know, she, she, as she got older, she was great. Like she was never promiscuous with the boys or too crazy. She was very balanced. And, you know, when she got married, she, we, we, she was intact the day that we handed her off and, you know, now she's in a great marriage. So, you know, you think that when you start like that and they're really, you know, noticing boys and things that, that, uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. But there was a lot of discussions, understanding, understanding that that that's how kids are. That's normal. Like if we if we're telling our kids, oh, that's not good. You can't do that. Like, don't you know? Well, that's how God made them. They're going to be attracted to the opposite sex. That's how God created us. That's just the way we're created. So you could either fight that or you could go with it and go, yes, I understand those feelings are real and they're valid and we understand. But let's you know, maybe we could talk through some things here. Yeah, I really like that, too, because the fear and the anxiety, that's totally normal. We want to love these. Well, we want to protect these little ones because we love them so much. But what happens when we do things like that, like, no, that's just off limits. Right. And we end up we give them really unhealthy views of those things. And then as they grow older, 
when they get married, then all of a sudden they're supposed to enjoy the opposite, right? And they're supposed right. to enjoy intimacy, but they feel wrong at the same time because we've been telling them for years, no, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, right? Yes, and what ends up happening, I, I at one point I, I was a small group leader for high school girls, and what ends up happening when you have parents that don't want to talk about those things or tell you, don't, you can't have boyfriends and, you know, don't talk to them. Then they do it without their parents knowing. Then it's a secret. And that's worse because now they're navigating it without their parents. So yeah. my husband and I, with all three of our kids, you know, those kind of things weren't off limits. Like, you know, when they felt like they made the decision when they thought they were ready for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, we didn't tell them when it was time and when they were allowed to date or have a boyfriend or girlfriend. And we did that on purpose because when you say, well, you can't, you're not allowed to, then they're doing it in a secret way. And I found that to be true with every single kid in my small group. They would come to small group and they would go, okay, I have a boyfriend. Don't, don't tell my dad. He'll freak out. Don't tell my dad. And so, you know, you've got that balancing act as a leader. You know, when do you need to reach out to the parent and what, you know, but they needed to trust me. So if I'm going around to all the parents and go, you know, your girl, your daughter's got a boyfriend. I'm not going to yeah. do that. You know, I mean, any, you know, you know, harming of anyone or, you know, the rules that, you know, you got to tell a parent when there's certain criteria. But they and so they, you know, they their small group with me was their safe place to talk about these relationships because they could not talk to their parents because the parents would freak out if they knew. And so when you say don't, you know, you can't, then usually they're doing it behind your back in some secretive way. And so we had that out there with our kids. You know, we were involved. I remember when my teenage son wanted to call the girl who sat next to him. Uh -huh. and yeah. He went in the backyard and he paced for like a half an hour to get the courage up to finally call her. And it was so funny. And the whole family was, we all knew about it. The whole family was in on it. We spoke about it. And so, it, you know, it wasn't like a, a thing that was a secret. We're like, okay, this is normal that you want to call a girl. It's okay. What, um, what I like about chapter one of The Impossible Kid is right under the heading chapter one, you have Luke 137 quoted, which says, nothing will be impossible with God. And um, that is, who is that? That's an angel speaking to Mary, is it not in that verse? So tell, yes. telling her about motherhood coming. Right, exactly. And, you know, we, we often feel like, oh, this is impossible. I can't do this. I can't. And you know what? That's a good place to be. Exactly. We huh. can't do this. It, you're right. We can't do this. Parenting is hard. It is the hardest job you're ever going to do. You're not going to have all the answers. You're going to make mistakes. If you're, if you're a good parent, you're going to be apologizing. That's just the way it is. We cannot do this. And so if we recognize this is, this is beyond us, this is too much. And we say, okay, okay, Lord, you need to come in. This is too much for me. You, you need to step in here because I can't do this. This is impossible for me. But with you, all things are possible. You make it possible. And when we invite God into our parenting, that's when we can really kind of get a flow. I mean, that's what I would do when I would like hit a wall or go, I don't know what to do. I would just go in my room and close the door. You know, we send our kids for timeouts. I would do mom timeouts. 
I'd be like, okay, mom needs a timeout. Everybody just pause. And I yeah. just go into my bedroom. I close the door. I get on my knees. So my kids didn't see weakness. You know, <laughs> not that getting on your knees is weakness, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, when you've got an impossible kid that's pushing you around, the last thing you want to show is that, you know, you're weak, you know? So uh, yeah. when my weak moments, I would do those privately and, and I would just get on my knees and I'd say, okay, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And then God would always give me direction. My my daughter in the book will say that it was she was heading towards her teen years before she realized she said, I never realized my mom had feelings and that I could hurt. Wow. Her. Wow. I, and she said, I would always push and fight. And and I mean, she was so strong, like I, I had to like, uh, uh you know, hold my own against her, so to speak. And so she talks about in the book that. Because there was this, you know, I won't tell the whole story because it's it's a long one, maybe on another another time. But it was Mother's Day and um, I was just really having a hard time. The kids just really hurt my feelings and mm -hmm. and I was just crying. And my kids were like, what is going on? Mom's crying. They didn't know what to do. And, you know, and, and my daughter writes about that incident in the book. And she goes, that was a day I realized my mom had feelings mm -hmm. and that I could hurt her. And and so we we had a shift in our relationship after that when she realized I was human, too. So I think there's a lesson in that, that, you know, your kids need to know you're just human. You're just doing the best you can and that you have feelings, too, and that you cry and that you're hurt and, and that they can hurt you. And when our kids realize that, it's like, oh, you mean I could hurt mom, too? And so that really, you know, shifted in our relationship when she realized mom had feelings. How much did you and your husband rely on prayer together to get through the school years and child rearing uh, years? Oh, we yes, we would we would pray together. We would pray for the kids. My husband, he was. Now, this is weird that I never knew this, but throughout raising our kids, I'm one of those people when it's time to go to bed, you're done, you go to sleep. I am out as a mom. I was so tired, but he would often get up in the night. And he would go to the children and he would pray over them and he would wow. put his hands on them and he would pray over our kids. And he did this throughout their childhood. I did not know he did this until our kids were raised. How weird is that? And I found out when because he was preaching one time and he talked about how we need to pray for our family. And he told a story that when one of our kids was a baby, he was praying over them while they were in the crib and he fell asleep and his head hit the railing. And the baby woke up and started crying. And so the baby's screaming. And so I come in the room. What's wrong? What's wrong? He's like, it's fine. Just go back to bed. And then he had this like red mark on the, you know, the top of his head because he had fallen asleep praying for the baby while the baby was sleeping in the crib. And that's when I found out that he had been doing that throughout their childhood. Huh. That's really powerful. Yeah. Tell us about, uh, well, the where to get the impossible kid. Tell us about your website again and your podcast and everything. Uh, you've been blogging quite a bit lately too, I see. So yeah, yes. give us all the good stuff yes. again, Lou. LouSays.com, L-U-S-A-Y-S. And you know, the I have, th I have three books out now. Hopefully there's going to be more in the coming year. And, um, all the bookstores should have my books and, you know, you can get them on Amazon. Nice. We get you back every month. If for February, we've got to talk about the pancake book and I'm going to leave everybody intrigued with that. Okay. That's a <laughs> one. 
<laughs> right on. Thank you so much, Lou, for joining us again. And uh, yeah, be praying for us as we get the daughter into kindergarten this week. <laughs> All right. Thank you for having me, Mike. It was a pleasure. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.